Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Morning, and welcome to the Flatline. I'm your host, Rick Hughes, and for the next few minutes, as usual, same time, same way, every week, stay tuned. Stick with me. It's going to be 30 minutes of motivation, inspiration, education, and never done with manipulation. That's right. We don't manipulate people. We're not trying to raise money. We're not trying to hustle you. We're not trying to sell you anything. We're just here to give you accurate information. And that information, our prayer is, will help you to verify and identify God's plan for your life. And if you can do so and you were willing to do so, then you can orient and adjust to the plan. That's really up to you. But my job is to give you the right information, the accurate information, and it's always a great opportunity to do so. And I thoroughly enjoy hearing from those of you who write. It amazes me when people write and tell me what they learned or what they've been, where they are or they've been listening, and sometimes I never really know, as I've told you before. We broadcast this show on about 15 radio stations across America, and uh, and we don't know who's listening. We have no way of knowing who's listening unless you write and tell us. And thank you. Every now and then, someone will write and say, your show did not play this morning on our radio station, and I need that because then I can contact the radio station and say, by the way, you're not going to charge me for the show that didn't play, are you? Because I've never had one call me yet and say, uh, oh, by the way, we failed to play your show today. But it happens. They have computer glitches. And uh, if it doesn't play in your area, then please let me know. And if the Lord is teaching you or showing you anything, I always enjoy hearing from you as well. I hope you're settled down after a long holiday week and Thanksgiving was a great time around your house. I know it was around my house. We had a lot of our family come in, all of our children. And uh, to be quite honest, it was a little bit of a madhouse. But everything's kind of back to normal now, and everybody's flown back to their places. And uh, I'm happy to be here on the radio station with you, talking to you today. You know, the flight line is always about building that invisible line of defensive uh, protection within your soul. Uh, building those 10 unique problem-solving devices so that you can stop the outside source of adversity from becoming the inside source of stress. Family holidays can be a lot of adversity. There can be people there that you don't particularly enjoy. Uh, There can be situations come up that cause you problems, like at my house, someone was taking a shower upstairs and Forgot to put the shower curtain in the tub, and you know what happened downstairs. So those things, they happen. But you don't have to be upset. You don't have to be worried. You don't have to go to pieces. You just have a sense of humor, and you always let the Lord handle the details. You never solve any problem by creating a bigger problem. That's something you should remember. You do not solve a problem by creating a bigger problem. And today, as we remind you of those 10 unique problem-solving devices, I want to go into something that was really on my heart last week, and I'd like to talk to you about it a little bit today. Recently, 
my pastor taught a passage in Matthew 15, and it's apropos to what I want to cover today with you, but it is the extent of the legalism that confronted our Lord Jesus Christ. The word legalism is a word I'd like for you to be familiar with because it is still around today. It hasn't gone anywhere. It's still as prevalent today as it was back then. The extent of legalism, and I would also like to talk to you about what is true spirituality. The extent of legalism and true spirituality. See, it's possible that you may be in a legalistic situation right now and really not know what to do about it. There have been many people that I've met that dropped out of church, that failed to go back to church because of some confrontation with a legalist, someone that wanted to tell them that they couldn't come here dressed like that, or they couldn't come here if they look like that, or you couldn't be a Christian if you did that. The legalist is always there to ride herd on you and try to tell you what you can and can't do. He's nosy, he's invasive, he uh, <clears throat> invades your privacy, and uh, he is not ever ordained by God to do anything like that. It is subjective arrogance from the core, it is satanic at its best, and legalism has led many, many people away from the gospel of Jesus Christ into a system of salvation by works or salvation by earning the favor of God by not doing certain things. The passage that I want to call your attention to today is in Matthew 15. And in Matthew 15, verses 1 and 2, this is what happened. The scribes and the Pharisees out of Jerusalem have come up to Galilee to check on Jesus. They've been hearing all sorts of things about him, and of course they've already sworn to kill him and to get rid of him. They've done everything they could to ostracize him and demonize him. They've even called him a demon. <clears throat> and so they have been run unbelievable what they're doing. And here now they're going to attack his disciples. And it's not really the disciples that are the issue, but that's what they're going to use. It says in Matthew 15, 1, Then came to Jesus scribes, and Pharisees who were out of Jerusalem. And they said to him, see, they had come to investigate Jesus. They had come to condemn Jesus. And they were going to use uh, hand washing. So listen to verse 2. Why do your disciples transgress the traditions of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. Now, something you need to remember here. We have the law of Moses, or the Torah, and we have the additions to the law, which eventually came to be called the Talmud, but these are the oral traditions. These were things that were added to the law, and this tradition, which was added to the law, uh, is what we're talking about here. The law always, yes, said there should be oral hygiene, and there's nothing wrong with washing your hands, and this, of course, indicated the separation or the, or, the, or the relation to Abraham as they were God's chosen race. But that's not what this is about. This is about pure legalism. And this is about attacking Jesus Christ. 
trying to find a way to minimize his impact among the people because their impact as religious leaders were being affected. See, here's what happens. When you expose legalism for what it is, then the person who is legalistic loses his ability to manipulate people. And since he loses his ability to manipulate people, he loses his power over people. Thus, he's going to fight back. He's going to attack you. He's going to do everything that he can to destroy you so that he can regain his power by means of manipulating the weak who don't have any doctrine, who do not know the word of God, and who seek to please God, but they live under a system of legalism. Last week, we talked to you about the legalistic man in Luke 18 who prayed to God and said that he thanked God he wasn't like everyone else. Do you remember that in Luke 18? And Jesus spoke this parable unto certain ones who trusted in themselves. That's a term for legalism. They trusted in themselves that they were righteous. That's a legalist. When he looks in the mirror, he sees someone that God finds favor with because he doesn't smoke, he doesn't drink, he doesn't dance, he doesn't watch R movies, he only goes to G movies, he only goes bowling, he sings in the choir, he doesn't cheat on his taxes, and he's a good person. And God must love him, and they must get a lot of hyperextended elbows from patting themselves on the back. That's what the legalist loves to do, and that's what's happening here. And Jesus gives the analogy. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was the tax collector. And the Pharisee, the legalist, stood and prayed with himself. And he said a mighty, wonderful prayer I'm adding here. Here's what he said. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. He's comparing himself to other people now. I don't commit extortion. I'm not unjust. I don't commit adultery like that tax collector over there. And then I fast twice every week, and I give a tithe of all that I possess. And then Jesus went on to say, the, hum, the tax collector standing afar off would not even lift up his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You see the difference between arrogance and humility in this passage. The legalist is arrogant because he is convinced in his mind that he has won the favor of God, that he has approbated God. And in this case, he said, I don't commit extortion. I'm not unfair. I don't commit adultery. Now, like that tax collector over there, he doesn't know whether that tax collector committed adultery or not. He doesn't have any idea. But he's assuming, and that's called judging. The legalist will judge you. And that's why in Matthew 7, the Bible warns about judging. Don't judge lest you be judged. And that's what legalism does. Legalism manipulates. Legalism controls. Legalism judges you and tries to force you to live a certain way. Now, there are two types of uh, degeneracy in the Bible. There's immoral degeneracy and there's moral degeneracy. Maybe you've never heard this before. The immoral degenerate, you know, he commits adultery, he's the drunkard, he's the whatever. 
But the moral degenerate is the man that will kill you in the name of God and think that he's doing God a favor. He's a moral degenerate. He justifies his degenerate acts with his morality, assuming that God is favoring him. It's exactly what we have uh, with our our war on terrorism today, moral degenerates who claim to be worshiping God, who claim to be very moral and to hate us, America, because we're immoral, and yet they justify murder of children, murder of women, and decapitating innocent civilians. That's not Christianity. That's religion at its worst. And you cannot believe what religion at its worst is capable of. And so if you're going to grow in grace, if you're going to serve your Lord Jesus Christ, it starts with doing what this tax collector did. He stood afar off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat upon his breast and asked for God to show him mercy. That's what it takes, mercy. Not works, mercy. God has extended mercy to us by means of the cross, by the death of the burial, and the resurrection of his anointed son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's mercy. And if you want mercy, you come to the cross and you look upon him because the Bible says, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Now, if you don't want mercy, if you want to be judged according to your production, then you can live your life that way and you will find yourself in Revelation 20 at the great white throne of judgment with the books being opened, the books of your works, and you will be tried by your works and you will be found guilty because the Bible says there are none that are righteous, not even one. All of our righteousnesses are like a filthy rag in God's eyes. And so in spite of all the good things you may do, you don't smoke, you don't drink, you don't chew, you don't dance, as they say, you don't dance, all that stuff, all that legalism, all that stuff that you think is making God smile is going to send you straight to hell. Because the only way that you will ever have entrance into heaven is by means of the mercy of God through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, not by something you did. And that's exactly what these Pharisees and the scribes are assuming, that they're going to heaven, that they're related to Abraham. But see, they're racial Jews, yes, but they are not regenerate Jews. They're not members of the royal family of God, not yet. That's the church age. But they're not members of God's family at all. They're not even saved. You don't go to heaven because you're a racial Jew. You go to heaven because you're a regenerate Jew or a regenerate Gentile. That means you accept Christ as your Savior and you're born again. This is exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, a racial Jew who came to him at night and he told him, you must be born again. You must be regenerated. You have to have a different birthday. You have to be a regenerate Jew. See, it's the same thing for you as a Gentile. 
Same thing for me. Legalism's not going to tell you that. Legalism is going to try to corral you and manipulate you and convince you that you're going to heaven because you're a good person and because you don't violate certain standards that they arbitrarily assume is the right way to live. I've faced this all my life, and I'm sure you've faced it too. Legalism comes from the sweetest, nicest, kindest people who drop subtle hints about why you shouldn't do those things. And why don't you know that God couldn't be happy with you if you did that? And it's amazing. Let's start by this. If you add anything to salvation, you're not going to be saved. It's not faith plus giving up drinking. It's not faith plus promising never to get another divorce. It's not faith plus saying you're not going to smoke any more dope. It's faith alone in Christ alone. If you add legalism to faith, it cancels the faith. Faith alone is exactly what it says, alone, by itself, only. You see, if you say, I believe in Jesus Christ as my Savior and I have been baptized, that's my legalism, see? I know I got to be baptized to go to heaven. The Bible doesn't say that. Paul said, thank God I didn't baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius and the household of Stephanus. And this is a very controversial subject because the legalist will tell you right away, if you're not baptized, you're not going to heaven. When baptism is always a picture of a regenerate person. It's not how we get regenerated. It's a picture of you being regenerated. And so it could be baptism. It could be tithing. It could be anything. It's not I believe and I tithe. I believe and I joined. I believe and I'm baptized. I believe and I'm no longer going to do this or that. It's I believe. Jesus said, he that believes on me shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And he that believeth not, the wrath of God abides on him forever. It's that simple. And yet legalism won't let it be simple. Why can it be simple? Because all the work was accomplished on the cross. Everything was done that needed to be done to satisfy the justice of God. Remember the justice of God is the guardian of the character of God, of his holiness, of his righteousness. And what the justice of God judges are those things that the righteousness of God rejects. So if you come to God and you say, I want to be on the same page with you, God, because I'm a legalist and I don't smoke, then the righteousness of God would reject that and the justice of God would judge it. You see what I'm saying? Don't add your works. Don't add your production. Don't add something that you can do. If salvation is something you could do, then there would have been no need for the Lord Jesus Christ to go to the cross. Our sins were paid for on the cross. You either receive the payment and believe in him or reject the payment and try to add to it. You do not earn equity with God, as I told you last week. And you know, there's another thing you need to remember, too. When Christians sin, as we will, I know you do, I do, I sin, you sin, 
And you said, well, wait a minute, brother, I gave up drinking. I don't get drunk anymore. Well, hoorah, I'm glad. You should never do it to start with. What about mental attitude sins? What about sins of the tongue? I mean, there are a lot of different areas of sin other than just drunkenness. You can sin by what you think. As a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. The Bible talks about how the tongue can start a fire. Little thing like a lie. I mean, come on. Sin can be in a lot of areas. And when we sin, we get out of fellowship with God and we must use problem-solving device number one, which is rebound. I've taught it on this show many times. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to purify us from all wrongdoing. If you add anything to that, it's legalistic and it's not efficacious. Legalism and grace are mutually exclusive. So if you go to God and confess your sin, and then you say, oh, God, I'm never going to do that again. Oh, God, I'm going to give some money, and this will buy, this will buy your forgiveness. That's not rebound. You don't have to promise you're never going to do it again, and you don't have to try to pay for it. You go to God, and you confess it. The legalist will want you to get up in front of the church and confess it. The legalist wants everybody in the congregation to know what an idiot you are. They're all waiting. I can't wait to hear the good news. Oh, I can't believe he did that. Do not ever, do not ever, do not ever confess your sins to anybody but God, period. No one else's business. It's between you and God. And legalism will have you running around the whole church telling everybody what you did, asking for forgiveness. You know, the devil, or Satan, attacks our volition. He wants us to reject doctrines like this. He wants you to ignore the importance of rebound. And so he's going to give you some false doctrine, some legalistic idea, concept that will distract you He'll give you some false scale of values through organized religion, and he will try to neutralize the importance of the Word of God so he can hinder you from executing God's protocol plan. God's plan says you're saved by faith, you live by faith, you use the faith rest drill, you use grace orientation, you use rebound, all these problem-solving devices, it's all been provided for you. And the minute you try to add to it with your legalism, you're just going to foul it all up. So don't get trapped into this moral degeneracy of the Pharisees who came to Jesus and said, you mean your disciples don't wash their hands before they eat? Well, these were a bunch of fishermen, you know. The Lord Jesus Christ cut right to the chase on that passage. I don't have the time to go in and explain all of Matthew 15, but I promise you one thing, they'll wish they hadn't opened their mouth when he gets through with them, because that religious Jew is a legalist, and he keeps the law to make points with God, and he distorted the Mosaic law into a system of legalism. What exactly is legalism?
It's defined as the pomposity of the energy of the flesh, the blasphemy of substituting Christian works and Christian service for the grace of God, the insolence of replacing grace with works, and the arrogant pretensions of fulfilling God's plan through your own human ability. Legalism is defined as the, pompo- the pomposity of the energy of the flesh and the blasphemy of substituting Christian works and service for the grace of God, the insolence of replacing grace with works and the arrogant pretensions of fulfilling God's plan through human ability. That is a quote from my pastor of many years, R.B. Thane, Jr., and it's a tremendous quote. Because legalism will establish false standards and false measures in relation to success spiritually. Legalism is always going to seek to change other people by giving them these false standards. But remember this, you cannot change anyone but yourself. Not your grandkids, not your kids. You can only change yourself. God gave everybody volition. Even one of the disciples turned on Jesus. Jesus asked him, are you going to leave me too? And they all said, oh, no, no, we're going to stick with you. We, everybody else can leave. We're going to stick around. But one did leave. One sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. Listen, there's always the possibility that Christians will exercise their volition to go negative to the word of God. And you're not going to change it. You can only change yourself. If you will take in the word of God, if you will grow in grace, if you will apply what you learn to your life, you will change yourself and you will glorify God. But if you go after a child or a relative or a friend and try to change them and try to force them to do what you're doing, you're just going to run them away. It's not going to happen. You can have all the heart-to-heart talks you want. You can do all the encouraging you want. The best thing you can do is pray for them. That's the best thing you can do. See, this legalism will always try to dominate people. It'll try to dominate policy in a church. It'll try to dominate authority within a community because this legalism is always self-righteous. It's a self-righteous arrogance that produces domineering people. We call them bullies who assume that they are right and everybody else is wrong. That legalistic, domineering, religious bully is a pain in the you-know-what. That's exactly what he is. He, listen, self-righteous, religious, legalistic people are the worst. Self-righteous people are bad enough But the self-righteous legalist is the worst, and that's what our Lord dealt with. The self-righteous legalistic Pharisees and scribes that condemned him and sought to kill him at every opportunity because they were irrational, and they were never satisfied until they had everybody dancing on a string like a puppet. What about you? Do you have enough freedom in Christ to live your life? I hope so. I hope you're listening, and I hope you're learning. Until next week, this is Rick Hughes saying thank you for listening to The Flotline.
Thank you for listening to The Floodline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100, Cropwell, Alabama, 35054, or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.